Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Isusu Christu. And they entered the temple and they ate the bread of the priest on the Sabbath. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus our Lord, this is a very important gospel. And we must understand it as best we can from the patristic commentary. So there were certain sacred things in the temple. And I don't know how much you know about the temple, but it's a tipos of our liturgy and the way we arrange our temple. In Slavonic, the word for church, Byzantine church, is serkev, temple. And for a Roman church, it's kostel. Now, let's go back to the temple. So there was a courtyard. In the courtyard, they burnt a great fire, and they threw offerings in it. But the most important of the temple was the Holy of Holies. And the priest went in there, the high priest, once a year. And in the Holy of Holies, there was a, a t altar table. And on it was an ark. And the ark was kept the holy things, which unfortunately have been lost. But what we're going to concentrate, is what, concentrate on is what they ate. They ate the bread of show, the blessed bread, which only a priest could eat. Now, the priest, uh, when he entered the, the temple, he had special clothes for going into the temple. And then he had uh, special clothes he put on once he got in the temple to deal with the Holy of Holies. And uh, in those days, these, these priestly offices were hereditary. That's why it says in the Bible that the priesthood of Jesus Christ is not hereditary. Now let's come away from that and talk about that how that has affected the Byzantine liturgical celebrations. First of all, when you come into the church, we say you've come into the temple. So the narthex of the church is where you uh, receive sinners, greet people who are going to be married, and have special ceremonies. We can't go all through all of them in this little talk. Then there's special, uh, you make a profound bow as you come into the body of the narthex and touch the floor. And the sign of the cross should be Father, Son, who sat on the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit. It should be done carefully. It's the Nicene Creed. Now, Priests uh, come into the temple and they say special prayers in preparation for the liturgy. 
will not go into that. They can say it with their deacon if they have a deacon. I usually say them ahead of time, in the back. If I have a deacon, I come out and say them before the holy doors. So the doors back there, the holy doors, these are the royal doors, because it just enters the throne room of the Holy Trinity. What's in there? A square altar, unattached. This perfection of God. It's covered with sacred linen. And when we consecrated our temple here, we had two bishops and myself. I'm a prelate, so I was the third person. And um, we, first of all, washed it like a baptism. Second thing we did was anoint it with chrism, then put a cloth on it, which will never be removed. Then we put, then we robe the uh, the uh, uh, with the uh, linen on the altar, the robes of Christ, and then we put the holy things there, which are only supposed to be the Shasislav for the priest to pray, the holy tabernacle to contain the holy Eucharist, and the blessing cross. Nothing spills the bone. Not flowers. Nothing. Flowers can be everywhere, but not on the holy table. And that's the priest always kisses the holy table because he is greeting Christ in the Holy Trinity. There's the seven-branch candlestick, which we have here. And it's uh, in the Acts, uh, excuse me, in the Acts, yeah, in the Acts of the Apostles, it says the seven-branch candlestick is sort of jurisdictions. It's very technical. You can read that. The liturgy, if you notice, we never read the book of uh, Revelation or Apocalypse in church because it's all contained in the liturgy. So if you can figure out the symbolism and the messages in the Acts of the Apostles and the book of Revelation, Revelations especially, you understand the liturgy and what that book is about. It's separate from the canon. So John the Evangelist, in his uh, gospel, there's, uh, is, there's no uh, book of Revelation. It's the separate. There's the two. The others have a little book of Revelation in them. This John's the gospel is a theological gospel full of theology. The other gospels are announcing who Christ is. Except maybe Luke's gospel, which is Mary's gospel, as she probably dictated it, and the person wrote it down. Must study the fathers to understand the scriptures. So with that liturgy, let's talk about the holy bread. So, especially in the Eastern Church, we have different kinds of bread for different things. We have Mirovania, we give you bread. 
We have Easter bread, the Pascha, many, many situations. When I was a boy, if a couple were getting married, they went to the house of the bride in Europe, and there was a mock fight because the family of the groom came to take the bride away. Well, they always won the fight somehow. And then the procession would start for the church. When they finally ended the bride, they would take a loaf of bread, a loaf of bread, one stale, and one fresh. They blessed the bride with the fresh bread that she would be fertile, and the groom that he would a good be defender and divider, he got the stale bread. And he was blessed. Then the procession took place to the church. They made up, and they went to the church for the wedding. On the altar, we keep the same options I told you always. And the priest uses that cross for blessings. He can have other priest crosses too. So the majority of blessings are either given with two hands, the monogram of Jesus Christ, for an archpriest, one hand for a priest, Christ. The priest puts on vestments just like they did in the temple. He has preparations by preparing the gifts, the bread and the wine for the holy sacrifice of the divine liturgy. Usually now, in, in the monastery here, I have one monk that prepares the phosphora. On the phosphora, which you'll rarely ever see, is a square seal. It's the resurrection seal. In the Byzantine liturgy, liturgy is always a resurrection celebration. So only the resurrection seal appears on the holy uh, phosphora. And at the Eucharistic prayer, uh, there's three used. Uh, there's actually four or five, but we usually use two or three in the Byzantine rite. The one in John Chrysostom, Basil the Great, and James. James once a year. But you have to read it for configure the church. A lot of priests don't do that. We just say the regular liturgy. Um, these liturgies are not uh, uh, concocted or written. They come through the tradition from the liturgy in Jerusalem to Antioch uh, to, into Egypt and from Egypt uh, to Constantinople. And they were the, pre, the redactors of those liturgies using the material they had when then this liturgy was named after those redactors. So St. John Chrysostom probably redacted the liturgy and John Chrysostom Basil did Basil, James did James. What would be the oldest? What would be the first liturgy? James from Jerusalem. So in the Eastern Church, we do not write Eucharistic prayers. We have the ones we've received, and that's what we use. We don't have that freedom. We don't think we have that freedom to improve on the apostolic church. Other Eastern rites 
who come from a different direction, different city, different language, they may have different way of conducting the sacred liturgy, but always with bread and wine. Bread is life. Wine is blood. So, in the Gospel of John, there's a marriage feast of Cana, and uh, they ran out of wine, which is really a disgrace. You don't buy, have a party and there's no wine. It's the process of that. But anyway, they had the wine, but they ran out. And the, the Domo, or whoever was in charge, they have no more wine. They're going to be embarrassed. And so he says, Mary says, she intercedes. She says, he says, he, she asked him to uh, turn the water into wine. He says, well, my hour is not going to come. His hour is his crucifixion. When he spills blood and wine from his body, his body and blood, his, his fluid from his body and his, his blood is wine. So, this has Eucharistic overtones because we receive in the Holy Eucharist Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. The same Christ is glorified sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty in heaven. Same one. And he ascended and he comes down for four days of visits, but he always comes down into the Eucharist. The beautiful, most beautiful prayer, besides, of course, the, is the, the Eucharistic prayer, the ones we use, and the great prayer of the priest you note here. It's unfortunate. Well, it's, it's a pretty long prayer, and it's for the priest alone, so he doesn't usually say that out loud. It's a beautiful prayer. But this theology in the prayer teaches us the meaning of the Eucharist. What's going on? Now, what happens at the Eucharist? So I'll just tell you a little story because we have to go on. It's a magnificent miracle. Jesus is there primarily in the body and blood, but where he is is so are the other two members of the Trinity. And uh, they're also in the Eucharist. The, uh, you need, in the Eastern Church, you need the whole Eucharistic prayer, not just the sacred words from the Gospel. You need the whole Eucharistic prayer. You can't just say that and you have the Eucharist. No, you have to do the whole thing. Then you call upon the Holy Spirit, the Epiclesis, and the Holy Spirit comes. So God is with the priest on the altar, and the priest prays, but the Holy Spirit perfects the Eucharist. So this is an action of Christ's priesthood through the priest, plus the Holy Spirit and the Father. So the liturgy and the way it's conducted and the altar and all the items reflect that liturgical content. Some people ask about um, 
Eucharistic prayer. In the early church, the Eucharist was a used leavened bread because Christ is risen. So we always use leavened bread. And uh, uh, in the early church, uh, usually made by the, the celebrant. Of course, I delegate that and to make that bread. And he says the Our Father over it. The daily bread is not what you eat at the table. The daily bread is the bread you receive in the Holy Eucharist. Uh, between East and West, there's a different ethos in these things. But in the early church, people received communion usually daily. And uh, they did not celebrate the Eucharistic prayer. They did that for Sunday and special occasions. And Sunday starts Saturday at Vespers. So you can start your Sunday. We have special prayers for all those Sundays. This is just a little reflection for you on the externals. Say, well, what about the iconostasis? Iconostasis is a stand to hold the icons. Iconostasis. And on the iconostasis, there are two principal icons, Our Lord and Our Lady, which are required for validity of the Eucharist. The other thing that's required for the validity of the Eucharist, besides the priest and the bread and wine, is the antimensia. It's a cloth. It's consecrated by the bishop with miran. And it's probably the second most holy thing in the church besides the Eucharist itself. That must be on the table. So I was, going to, was trying to figure out how I would know what I consecrated. So I made this decision that anything I said, bread that gets on the antimensia is consecrated. But if it's on the table someplace else, it's not. The priest has to make up his mind when he's, how he's going to determine that. In the early church, I think it's Clement of, no, Cyril of Jerusalem talks about people bringing the Eucharistic home because they receive Eucharist daily. And he said, you have to be careful with it and make sure the mice don't eat it and keep it in a safe place. So it's common to get the Eucharist on Sunday and then they take it home. Then gradually the calendar develops where we have feast days and things like that. The Eucharistic prayer is not a consecration on the passion. It's a consecration on the risen Lord. But within that consecration is the body of Christ. The body of Christ has on it in heaven the marks of the crucifixion. His wounds. So they are also on the in the consecrated species because it's the same Christ. Not a different Christ. And my dear brothers and sisters, I can understand Catholics sometimes. How could they separate themselves from the Eucharist and go away from the church once they realize what it is? 
How could they be casual when they come to the Eucharist? How would they not prepare themselves with preparatory prayer to go to the Eucharist? Our people in Europe, they work very hard. You have no idea. And they were poor. But they would spend three days fasting and praying for Sunday to receive the Eucharist. We have these little fasts. It's the different food. It's not the food that we eat. It's the food with which we see the bread of life. Receive the life of in Trinity and become a temple. The only other person that became a temple that I know of was a Blessed Virgin, which she carried Christ for nine months. And she, of course, is the Holy of Holies of God. So these are just a few thoughts from the, the Eastern side of the church, the Eastern Fathers. Uh, everything the Eastern Fathers say is not worth reading, but it's, you shouldn't read the Great Fathers. You know, basically the Great, Great Theologian, Great Theologians, and, and up to the 8th century. Our church never developed after the 8th century. We just kept the patristic tradition. Of course, little things have happened. Language and things like that. But we are the Church of the Fathers, Apostolic Church. So when you come to the Byzantine Rite of the Catholic Church, it's like a time ship going back to a different time, an apostolic time, where people were dying for the, to receive the Eucharist, where priests were hidden out, where priests were very vastly revered, and where they said, and people live for the body and blood of Christ. Don't be casual what you're doing. Learn to love the gifts that came from the Father through the Son and perfected by the Holy Spirit. Don't be talking about Jesus all the time. Talk about the Trinity. He's our high priest. But the Father's our sanctifier, and he sends the Holy Spirit from the Father through the Son, inspired by the Holy Spirit. That means he breathed. He breathed and sanctified everything. It's so beautiful. We're not worthy, but let's love it because it's the greatest gift we'll ever have. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.